This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, bringing you the latest news, analysis, and more. Here's your host, Matt Jones, with Scotty Bordelon of the Hog Sports Network and wholehogsports.com. It's almost game time. Arkansas and Western Carolina this weekend at War Memorial Stadium. Today, we'll take a look at the Catamounts and talk about the latest that we've learned about the Razorbacks over the last couple of days with Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman. I'm Matt Jones. And what do we really know about Western Carolina? I don't know that we know that much. It's a team that's from a long way from here. They play FCS football. Uh, Really not a whole lot to know about Western Carolina, but Ethan has uh, done quite a bit of research on them going back to about a month ago when we put together our first magazine of the preseason so, Ethan, just your overall thoughts about Western Carolina based on, on what you've learned looking into this team. Yeah, it's always, you know, take it with a grain of salt whenever you're talking about an FCS team, uh, you know, what they bring to the table whenever they're about to play a team like Arkansas, an SEC team. But as far as FCS is concerned, they're they're a pretty good offensive team. I think last year um, they were sixth in the FCS in yards per game. Uh, they uh, It was like a record-setting offensive year for them, so... Uh, they're trending in a good direction too. The under Kerwin Bell, who's uh, this is going to be his third year as their coach. Uh, he's already in his first two years had more combined wins than they had. I think the three previous before he got there. But yeah, they're pretty good offensively. They run the pro spread. Um, Sam Pittman's alluded to it a lot that they like that little bubble pass a lot. Um, so going to kind of test that Arkansas secondary right off the bat. I know it's the talent level is not going to be quite there what you'd expect with you know a maybe a team in the FBS ranks, but at least you're going to be seeing schematics that you can probably take some lessons along the way with Um, Western Carolina last year, kind of their Achilles heel was they just turned the ball over a lot. They were uh, minus 16 in the turnover margin, which means they not only turned the ball over a lot, but they didn't force a lot of turnovers either. Um, It's something that Kerwin Bell said on his uh, zoom the other day, he really wasn't happy with that. It was uncharacteristic, but Bill Steele does this thing in his FCS preview. Well, I think he does in the FBS one too, but um, it's the turnovers equals turnaround section. And uh, it's just kind of using data showing that if, if FCS teams or FBS teams, I'm sure it's the equivalent, but if they can decrease their turnovers by five or more, they can have the same or better record 76% of the time. And so he has Western Carolina listed as one of his teams that he expects to have a better year this year, wins loss wise, because uh, he just thinks that, it's unlikely that you're going to have that same sort of turnover season and they return a lot of pieces. So yeah, it's a good offensive team defense. Uh, I think Kerwin Bell, he was pretty pleased with um, at least he sounded pleased with this defense so far, but last year they, they had trouble stopping the run. So if you're having trouble stopping the run against some teams in the SoCon, I think Arkansas is probably going to try and exploit that pretty early. Uh, you know, with Rocket Sanders in the backfield, he's a big guy to take down, which that's something that Kerwin Bell was also pretty um, worried about. But yeah, Western Carolina is good offensively, defense, some questions, but he feels good about him. And then special teams, they have a really good kicker. Um, his name is, uh, let's see, Richard McCollum. That's his name. I almost said Paxton Robertson, but that's their punter. Uh, Richard McCollum, he's actually um, first team SOCON preseason. He's uh, 34, 40 on his career kick and field goals. So, yeah, that's just kind of the the rundown on Western Carolina right there. It always feels to me like, or, or often feels to me like, FCS teams get beat before they come into these games against the FBS teams. It's not always that way. Missouri State certainly 
know, they weren't that way last year when they came to Fayetteville. Uh, but a lot of times it is. You saw that with UAPB two years ago in Little Rock. They didn't look like they belonged on the same field with Arkansas. First time I've ever seen a, a college football game go to 12-minute quarters in the second half, almost like a, a little bit of a mercy rule. Uh, Scotty, I mean, how do you think these two teams handle this this weekend? Because you look at Western Carolina's history, they've never beaten an SEC team. They've never beaten an FBS team. It seems like maybe in their minds, the odds might be stacked against them, but you know, they might also come in with that mentality of, Hey, we're going to shock the world. Yeah, there's no doubt. And Kerwin Bell talks about that. Uh, Ethan mentioned the zoom that he was on. He talked for like 30 or 35 minutes. I think it was the availability with him was longer than everything we got with Sam this week was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, Kerwin, Kerwin's going to bring his team in here, you know, obviously trying to win the game. Um, but I think he's, I think he's definitely going to be smart about, you know, maybe if the game gets, gets out of hand, he's going to pull his guys like, and he probably does feel like they can compete. I mean, on a lot of these, you know, lower level teams, they've got some guys that can play. The thing is, you know, the, the, the depth isn't there and maybe the talent around them isn't where it needs to be to fully showcase what, you know, those, those better players can do. And so it, you know, it kind of turns into a, a somewhat of a bad product, but um, yeah, I think they'll, they'll go as hard as they can until the scoreboard tells them that they're out of the game. I just hope that both of these teams can, can get out of it injury free. That's the, that's the thing about these matchups with, you know, SEC team against a, a, a team that's playing in the FCS, you know, you, you worry about, um, you know, maybe the, the difference in the body types on the field. Um, I just, yeah, I just, I hope for, a, I'm hoping for a clean game because I think Western Carolina, um, they can take something from this game and, you know, you know if they have some moments um, like Kerwin Bell's hoping that his team does, I mean, I think they can carry that confidence throughout their season. I'm, you know, pretty sure they're expecting to have a nice year and from Arkansas standpoint like it's just I think this game is about you know figuring out uh, which guys you can kind of trust right away and then after that it's just kind of like let's get to the let's kind of get to the next week um, and keep building confidence and, and some momentum before league play starts or I guess before BYU comes to town that's a big game before league play gets going yeah it is you mentioned that you know there there's talent at FCS teams and I almost feel like the, the transfer rules that have changed within the last few years have benefited FCS teams like they've gotten more talented because there are more players on the move and then there's just not enough room at the end for them at all these different FBS schools and so like we saw with Missouri State last year they had a quarterback who was from Utah they had multiple players on that roster who had transferred in from other SEC programs these are players who were highly recruited uh obviously capable football players out of high school and for for whatever reason it might be discipline it might be uh it might be anything uh it might be a coaching change they they trickled down to fcs and i know ethan you've written about this that that western carolina has some of those players where they've gotten out of the transfer portal and and, and brought them in this year yeah they have a couple um i know they brought in a couple i believe i believe one o-lineman one d-lineman i may be wrong on that from akron that's kind of their biggest transfer portal gets aside from they got also got a linebacker from Austin P Antoine Williams who he's uh I think he was an FCS All-American last year um third team so they got him and then their backup quarterback Charlie Dean he is he was the starter at Harvard I believe um 
or at least has started some games at Harvard, and he's expected to back up Cole Gonzalez, their starting quarterback. So, yeah, they definitely um, tapped into the portal a little bit. Kerwin Bell also mentioned that he thinks because of the portal on the the FBS ranks, it makes it to where they can recruit some better high school talent because so many FBS teams are so invested in tapping into the portal each year that there's some really good high school players that don't ever get a shot. Um, So he also brought that up, that he feels like they've been able to recruit – pretty well out of high school he likes to recruit florida heavily and he actually uh said that he is good friends with rocket sanders um his high school coach so he he's really familiar with uh sanders he said it's kind of funny seeing how much he's bulked up since he said he's already a big boy coming out of high school but now he's you know huge so yeah he uh he he definitely went in the portal a little bit with those two guys from akron and then the backup quarterback but he's he's really been talking about how the the transfer portal benefits them on the high school ranks. Yeah, wholehawksports.com right now. You can read the, the keys that Scotty and I wrote for the game. And and one of them is how Arkansas just can't overlook anybody. Missouri State, Liberty Games, uh, Rice game two years ago. Those are perfect examples of you can't overlook anybody. But when it comes to FCS in particular, um, I think people have this notion that FBS teams just automatically beat FCS teams. And usually they do. But I think because of that, there's maybe this thought process that every FCS team is equal. And they're they're just not. I mean, they're they're not. Take the last two teams Arkansas's played from the FCS as, as an example, Missouri State and UAPB, not even close to the same type of program. Uh, you know, so I, I think Western Carolina probably trends more toward being like a Missouri State last year. That Missouri State team, they were a top 10 team in the FCS when they came to Fayetteville. I think they were number five in the FCS poll that week. Uh, they tanked after they left Fayetteville. That was They did not have a good year. Sometimes I think that you can have the carpet pulled out from underneath you in a game like they had against Arkansas, and it, it kind of makes your next few weeks, four weeks, whatever, uh, you know, just go kaput. Like you're so, you're so heartbroken and so focused on what didn't get accomplished that maybe you're not focused on on what you've got coming up in front of you. Uh, but like you mentioned, Kerwin Bell has gotten Western Carolina turned around a little bit. You look at his track record. He was a GA under Steve Spurrier. Uh, he's he's had some success coaching at lower levels before he got to Western Carolina. He won a national championship in 2018 uh, with a 14-0 team at Valdosta State at the Division II level. So this is obviously a, a capable coach. Uh, was an SEC quarterback of the year in the 1980s, like I mentioned, uh, coached under Steve Spurrier at Florida. Uh, so I guess where I'm going with all of that is that this is still an FCS team, but I think there's some potential there. On the other side, Arkansas, just play your game and you win this. And I think that's kind of been Sam Pittman's message throughout the week. He said on his radio show Wednesday night, he said, what we've got to do is we just got to show up and play against ourselves. If we do the things that, that we need to do correctly, will the good things will happen. If we don't, they won't. And I think that's uh, kind of their theme going into this game. Yeah, I think the the talk from Sam earlier in the week was, you know, we haven't really necessarily played well against these non-logo schools in the past, um, you know, early in the season and then even last year against Liberty. I think that's good that's a good conversation to have with your team early in the week, you know, to just kind of get their attention that, you know, you can't just show up like Arkansas is not going to win this game, by just showing up like they have to go um, 
to go play their game. And then what, like once you're on the field, you have to be really present. And like, you can't, I don't think anybody that takes the field for Arkansas on Saturday is going to be thinking about, you know, the Liberty game last year or, you know, the rice game from a couple of years ago or, any of those other close games like Missouri State, like I think they've they've got to be very present minded um and just just take care of business. I think that's part of kind of the 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 toughness part or the toughness piece that Sam's trying to instill in these guys. One, he wants them to be physically tough, but I think the second part of it is just, you know, the the mental toughness to, you know, just handle your business, uh, get in and get out and, you know, just kind of let your your play speak for itself. Stan Pittman provided some injury updates on Wednesday. Uh, Jashad Stewart, questionable, I think, at best for this game. He's been dealing with a heel injury since the first week of camp. Uh, but really the one that I thought was the most interesting is Brady Latham at left guard. Sam Pittman saying that he's questionable for this game. You look at Latham, he's got 36 consecutive starts under his belt. He has not missed a start since the 2019 Arkansas-Missouri game. Just to give you an idea, Arkansas-Missouri, you had Barry Lunny Jr. as an interim coach for Arkansas. You had Barry Odom as the head coach of Missouri. That gives you an idea of how long it's been since Brady Latham hasn't been in the starting lineup for the Razorbacks. If he can't go at left guard on Saturday, Scotty, I mean, what are we looking at there? Is that a maybe a place where Jamari Wiggins steps in? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm going to have to go back and look at some of the practice notes that we've had. I know that um, with him being out, they've done some shuffling. Obviously, I think on the on the uh, on the offensive line, mm-hmm. as a on Tuesday, you know, uh, Latham wasn't practicing. I think he well, he was practicing. He just wasn't like active in the fastball start uh, that they do early in practice. But he was on the field in green. I think he was. I think he was one of the two offensive linemen in green uh, with the Marion Harris. But when they didn't have Latham in there, they they shifted Josh Braun, who's been kind of a staple at right guard mm-hmm. all preseason. They slid him to left guard, and then they pushed Tykees Crawford up uh, to that top right guard spot. kept mm-hmm. kept Bo Limmer at center. Um, it's been it's been interesting as there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about the tackles and stuff, and trying to figure out who your guy is at, at left tackle. Right tackle has been pretty solid. But I mean, you you throw kind of a an, an injury wrinkle into the the interior of the line where you feel like a lot of your know how up front is. Um, it could get kind of interesting, but I think you know, and Tykees Crawford's a guy we haven't you know really heard a ton about in the preseason. I think we all know he's talented, um, but yeah, I mean, he could be a guy that that slides in at um, at right guard. Braun moves to left guard if if Latham's not able to play. Well, every time we've heard Sam Pittman talk about Tykees Crawford, he said he's playing his best ball. Now, I don't know what that means. Maybe he had a long right. way to go. But the, the the tone, I guess, from the coaches is that they like what, what they're seeing from Tykees Crawford. I think they liked what they saw from him late last year. And I think that, you know, they're a little disappointed that he got knocked out of the Liberty Bowl so early uh, because that could have been such a, a pivotal experience for him in terms of game reps. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know you mentioned Amari Wiggins earlier. I think he's been working at like all of the interior spots for if if my mind is or if I'm thinking right. I think I've seen him at, you know, backup right guard, backup center. And then the mm-hmm. other day, I think Tuesday they had him at backup left guard. So he could be a guy that potentially plays. But um, I, I would just think since Tyke East has been here longer and kind of has a 
I guess a greater understanding in terms of longevity with um with Cody Kennedy that he he might be the guy um if Latham's not able to go but if if you know if Latham's not able to go man I hate to see that streak end because of you know something you know kind of weird happening in the preseason but um I mean I think this is a game that ultimately you could this is the game on the schedule I think that you can afford to to potentially not have him if there if there is a game and that, I know this because I talked to him about it in the preseason, that consecutive starts uh, total for him is something that he thinks about. He said that he's hoping this year he can break the record at Arkansas for consecutive starts. It would take a, an historic season, by the way, for him to be able to do that because he's 14 games shy of the record, uh, which was set both by Travis Swanson and Jerry Franklin. They both started 50 consecutive games uh, during their tenures. Swanson from 2010 to 13, Franklin from 2008 to 11, but Latham is right there at 36 consecutive starts. Uh, you got to go to Bo Limmer, who's second on the team right now in, in terms of consecutive starts, uh, 29 in a row for Limmer behind Latham. Uh, one little asterisk there would be uh, Trajan Jeffcoat, who came in from Missouri. He started his final 30 games at Missouri. So that's uh, just a little aside in terms of um, in terms of consecutive starts. You know, one area where I'm most interested to watch this weekend is special teams. And this is something we wrote about in, in the keys. You look at Arkansas's last three season openers, all the all the, the season openers under Sam Pittman, they had some breakdowns in special teams. The Georgia game in 2020, it turned in part due to a, a blocked punt during the third quarter as Georgia uh, kind of seized momentum and then eventually pulled away. Uh, Rice built a 17-7 to lead. Uh, in part because of a blocked punt in that game in 2021. Last year, the, the punting Max Fletcher, who'd only played rugby in Australia, had never played an American football game. Uh, he struggled in, in the punt game. So the punt game has been an issue in the season opener for Arkansas for, for various reasons. Sometimes it's because of coverage. Sometimes it's because of protection. Uh, sometimes it's because the, the punter didn't do real well. Uh, but then on the other hand, uh, from a special teams perspective, you think about the last two years when Arkansas played somebody from the FCS, Nathan Perotti two years ago against UAPB, 80-yard punt return for a touchdown. Bryce Stevens last year against Missouri State. I don't know that I've ever heard Reynolds Razorback Stadium that loud for an FCS game as you did when he returned a punt 82 yards for a touchdown to give him the lead in the fourth quarter. And it's kind of like all this pent-up emotion and and people were nervous for two hours it finally just kind of came out as Arkansas took the lead late in that game and I say all that to say that I think when you get these FBS and FC I, I, well let me back up I think special teams have always been an indication of how much talent do you have on your team because you know the the more talented teams have the more talented backups and those are the guys who populate your special teams a lot of times and so you know, when you see Arkansas struggling against the likes of Alabama and Georgia and LSU on special teams, it's because those teams have historically recruited better, and so they've got better special teams players. And so the same thing kind of holds true here with FBS versus FCS. I think that that's where you really see part of this talent disparity, and FCS teams can't give out as many scholarships as FBS teams can. And so I, I feel like special teams is really something to watch this week. On one hand, because Arkansas has kind of been notoriously slow starting on special teams, but on the other, because they have had so much success the last two years against UAPB and Missouri State. So are you saying I should hammer a part return for a touchdown bet if I can? Is that what you're saying? I'm not promoting it. 
<laughs> not promote. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see Arkansas have some success in the, in the return game. It would be really good to see some kick return success. Um, I think it's been a while since Arkansas has had like a truly electric kick return game. Um, and I know a lot of the, a lot of kickers, you know, especially at the level Arkansas plays at, they, they put those things through the back of the end zone, um, pretty often but I think some teams can also be pretty smart by like kicking it a few yards or try to try to you know have that ball land about you know inside the five and force a return out and then if your coverage unit's good enough you can win a field position battle where um you know instead of kicking it through the back of the end zone Arkansas gets the ball at the 25 you can maybe pin them you know inside the 20 uh, sometimes at the 15 but um it would be good to see Arkansas have some kick return success um, I don't know that I'm going to put a bet down on on a punt return for a touchdown, but um, you know Nathan Perotti, I, Matt, we talked about the punt return for a touchdown from Bryce Stevens last year against Missouri State, and we completely forgot about the. I did mm-hmm. at least I forgot about the Nathan Perotti. Yeah, it hit me right against, after we recorded against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Yeah, that was pretty fun too. But um, maybe an opportunity there for Isaiah Satania. I mean, all we talk about with him is just, you know, the track speed that he's got. I'd love to see that. Um, and then I think from a, from a field goal perspective, like maybe with Cam Little, I don't know. Do you go into this hoping that you don't have to use him? You know what I mean? Like you can go ahead and like finish your drives mm-hmm. and get seven points instead of, you know, maybe a, a, a drive stalling at like the 25 and you got to bring him out. But I do think it, it might be one of those weekends where, you know, if Arkansas does have something happen where maybe a penalty backs him up and, you know, fourth down it may be the, the plus 40, you bring him out and just kind of see if, you know, he can he can hit a long kick to maybe start his year. Because if you do that, I think you build a lot of a lot of confidence uh, on top of the, the confidence that he already has. And, you know, I think that would be a, a, a good way for, for Cam to kind of start the year with a bang. But I think ideally you would – I think you would – Obviously, not you'd like to not have to to use him if, if possible, other than PATs. On the note on a return game against FCS teams, I think that they're just particularly even more backbreaking in that, like as far as it broke the morale of Missouri State last year, because these teams have such a such an uphill battle the whole game to try and be <laughs> to try and knock off an FCS or an FBS team that. A return, a big return can just absolutely thwart all the momentum for, you know, mm-hmm. that was kind of the nail in the coffin for Missouri State. And I actually watching those week zero games this past week, I know it wasn't FCS versus FBS, but San Jose State was they had made it, I think, in the third quarter, a two touchdown game with USC had just had like a really good long drive, uh, scored a touchdown on it. And then uh, USC had a kick return touchdown on the on the on the next kickoff and it was just all usc from there it's just like i think with these lower level teams whenever you know something like a kick or a punt return goes for a touchdown it's just so so much more demoralizing because they already know it's an uphill battle to try and win the game and you know a, a score like that can just really break the whole heart of the team i think back uh season openers in little rock this may i think this was actually maybe the last time Arkansas opened a season in little rock was 2009 Dennis Johnson took the opening kickoff back for a touchdown against Missouri State, an FCS team. And I know someone who was on the Missouri State sideline. I've talked to him about it many years later. It was like when that happened, the game was over. I mean, they knew Arkansas was better. Arkansas knew they were better. And then they take the kickoff back for a touchdown. 
it's over. Uh, I think there is something there uh, to be said for just that, you know, like I said, a lot of times you beat FCS teams before they ever get off the bus and you take back a, a, a big play in special teams early in the game. Uh, there, there's no doubt that, that that's got to have a big impact. Uh, Satania had a hundred yard kickoff return for a touchdown during a scrimmage a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it certainly feels like with his speed, with AJ Green's speed, uh, that maybe they could get a, a big play either in the punt return game or in the kickoff return game this week. The Whole Hawk Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King, design, display, signage, kendallking.com. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-K-I-N-G.com. The Kindle King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omnichannel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go hogs! Get the latest breaking news on all Arkansas Razorback sports at wholehogsports.com. Our award-winning reporters and photographers go beyond game recaps to bring our subscribers the most trusted Razorbacks news anywhere. With expert analysis, the latest in recruiting, plus unique and compelling stories of your favorite teams. Subscribe today at wholehogsports.com. Just a reminder, if, if you didn't know already, I'm sure you do, but the game has been moved to a noon kickoff on Saturday. It's going to be streamed on SEC Network Plus and ESPN Plus. You can watch it uh, on either of those streaming channels, which means that you've got a couple of different options how to uh, access that game. You could either access it through an ESPN Plus subscription or if your cable satellite streaming provider, if you have a an SEC Network as part of your package, you can link that up with the ESPN app and, and watch the game that way if you've ever watched anything other than football uh, you know how to stream these Razorback games although but it is still a new kind of a, a new venture so to speak with football because streaming football games is still uh, very new you went for so long where SEC games were all on TV now you got this one game every year for each SEC team uh, that's only going to be streamed I looked this up today Arkansas Western Carolina is one of 11 SEC versus FCS games that are being streamed this year. Uh, the other three teams that have a, a, a game streamed at home have chosen uh, a team from a, a group of five conference. So like, for instance, Missouri is going to play Middle Tennessee State on its streaming game. Florida is going to play UNC Charlotte. And kind of a surprise, Mississippi State's streaming game is going to be against Southern Miss. It seems like that's kind of a high, higher profile non-conference game that might not be streamed, but hey, it's it's the new way of the world. So uh, just a, a word of advice. If you're listening to a podcast, you're probably pretty tech savvy anyway, but uh, you know, maybe just check your ESPN app and make sure you know how to do this before 11.55 on Saturday morning. Checked with uh, Arkansas representative this week and about 40,000 tickets have been sold to this game. We talked about what the attendance might be like on Tuesday's podcast and so it's it's trending toward what they had for the Arkansas Pine Bluff game two years ago, where they had about 42,000 in attendance. And so you're looking at this would be the fourth time in Arkansas's last five games in Little Rock where they're going to come in at under 80% capacity. Again, we talked about this Tuesday. We've written about it 
it's it seems like maybe the writing is on the wall for Arkansas playing games at War Memorial Stadium, just in terms of the interest, just is not quite there. It, it's like this uh, this game is is dying a death by a thousand cuts over the past few years. We'll get into a predictions now. We're going to talk about Arkansas Western Carolina a little bit later. It's not a very big week for SEC games. You know, a lot of times we've become accustomed over the last several years to Alabama having this big neutral site game or Georgia having a big game in week one. It's not the case with either of those teams. Alabama is going to be at home this weekend, taking on Middle Tennessee State. Georgia's going to be playing one of those SEC Network Plus games against Tennessee Martin. That's its FCS opponent. Uh, you just kind of look across the league. You know, Vanderbilt played Hawaii last week. Vanderbilt's going to be in action again this week against Alabama A&M. Some of the other games this week, South Dakota goes to Missouri on Thursday night. That game may be over by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, Ball State goes to Kentucky, Mercer at Ole Miss, UMass at Auburn, Southeast Louisiana at Mississippi State. You go on and on. New Mexico goes to Texas A&M. There's really only a handful of what we think are, are really interesting games. And one of them is Thursday night. This game may be over by the time uh, that you listen to this podcast. But Florida, for the first time in 32 years, the Gators are leaving the state for a non-conference regular season game. It's almost unfathomable to think about that but all of their non-conference games have been at florida state and miami and southern florida they're going to utah tonight utah went to gainesville last year it was the upset of week one florida beating utah there utah uh, consecutive pac-12 championships under their belt and they think they're going to be pretty good again this year at the games in salt lake city ethan let's start with you yeah i know florida won that game last year uh in the swamp it was one of the more exciting games I feel like of week one last year. I just, I'm not very high on Florida this year. Uh, I'm just not. <laughs> I think they have a lot of question marks on defense. And uh, I think with it being in Utah, um, I just, I, and Utah's I think number 14 or something. Uh, they're pretty highly ranked. I just wouldn't go against Utah. So that's who I'm gonna pick. Yeah, I think the game being played in Utah, for me, that's the, that's the sway. Um, even if, even though Utah's starting quarterback Cam Rising doesn't sound like he's going to play, and I think one of their one of Utah's tight ends that had the had a huge game at Florida last year, um, I think there's some uncertainty whether he's going to play or not. But I think Utah's got a couple of interesting options at quarterback, including the kid that came in and, and threw a touchdown against uh, Ohio State in the Rose Bowl last year. Um, so I think I think if if he can. If he can step up in that moment, I think he can. I think he might be able to handle a, a, a big early season game at home. Just, I think he'll be fine. Utah's kind of a sneaky physical team, and I think that that physicality is going to be a test for Florida in this first game. You got the payback. You got the Utes at home. Uh, you've got kind of, you know, it, it's it's kind of at altitude. It's it's not as high high of an altitude as you've got at you know some of these games in Colorado and Wyoming. Uh, but, you know, I talked to Lance Harder last year before Arkansas went to BYU, and, and he talked about taking his runners to altitude and, and some of the things that he thought uh, could affect teams from the south going out to even uh, some some lower high-altitude venues, so to speak. And I, I just I think all of those things might work against Florida tonight. And so uh, I've, I've got Utah winning that one. On Saturday, Tennessee's going to open its season at a home away from home. The Volunteers are going to be in Nashville at the Titans' home stadium hosting Virginia. Virginia had its final few games canceled last year because of the, the tragic shooting uh, that affected its football team. 
Tennessee, obviously, a lot of uh, a lot of hype around Josh Heupel's team, given the way they ended last season, and, and there's a lot of excitement about Joe Milton, even. Uh, for sure. I think this is a game that Tennessee should win pretty handily. I don't see Virginia being in this one, uh, you know, at the end at all. Uh, so I think I'll go with Tennessee here. I think the kind of the, they're one of those teams right now that, you know, with Josh Heupel, they're just trending in such a good direction. A lot of excitement around them and playing that in Nashville. I think that'll be pretty cool to see, uh, you know, it's it's a different you know dynamic than Arkansas playing in Little Rock. They're playing in a NFL stadium, kind of in the heart of Tennessee. I just think it's it's going to be a cool environment to see that uh, play out. But I think Tennessee's going to beat them pretty handily. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Tennessee's athleticism, speed, uh, depth is is just going to be a lot for Virginia. Um, I think I think this could be a game where. Joe Milton has such a day that I think on Sunday you're going to turn on college football live and you'll see a lot of people probably hyping him up as like a, you know, an early Heisman, uh, early Heisman candidate. I mean, I think he already is, but I think he's I think he's going to have a, a day that, um, you know, is going to give him a little bit of buzz early in the year. That game's at 11 on ABC on Saturday night on ABC, a 630 kickoff, North Carolina and South Carolina in Charlotte a rematch of the Mayonnaise Bowl two years ago on the same field. Yeah, this game is about as close to the toss-up, I think, as you get in week one. I was back and forth on who I'd pick. You have a really good quarterback matchup with Spencer Rattler, South Carolina, against Drake May, uh, UNC. I, I don't think, under Shane Beamer, South Carolina has not started seasons very strong. You think mm-hmm. back to even just last year, they... They didn't look very good against Georgia State in their in the opening game, and then they got beat pretty bad by uh, Arkansas and Georgia. Um, so, and then I think the year before they started two and three under him. I just don't. It's a toss-up, but I'm just going to go with North Carolina because I don't think South Carolina has proven to me in recent history that they can start a year strong. Yeah, I'm going to go with North Carolina too. I think Drake may, as of right now, he may be my favorite to win the Heisman I think the kid is super super talented um and I just I still like even with the success that South Carolina had last year I just don't I'm not I'm not in yet on Shane Beamer or Spencer Radler I think um I don't know maybe I get proven wrong and South Carolina has a a good good day Saturday and a really good year but um I'm just I'm not sold on them yet and I like Drake May a lot so I'm gonna go with with North Carolina I think both of these teams have got new offensive coordinators. I know South Carolina does because Dal Loggins is there. I, I just I like North Carolina because I like Drake May, and I also kind of like the revenge factor. I think there's still quite a few Tar Heels left over from that team that lost to the Gamecocks two years ago. Um, I'm going to go with North Carolina, but I do think it's a toss-up. Another good quarterback matchup is going to be Sunday night when Florida State takes on LSU. This game's going to be played in Orlando. It's a rematch of last year's classic. Sunday night game between these two teams in New Orleans. You got Jordan Travis for Florida State. You got Jaden Daniels for LSU. Uh, Both of these teams highly ranked. Ethan, let's start with you. Yeah, you know, I was really tempted, uh, I would say a month ago even, just to pick Florida State in this one. And then if you haven't read it, we had, I did a piece on getting no Arkansas's 12 opponents for the season. It's on wholehogsports.com. And I broke down each team and was just dissecting LSU's roster and it was just preseason SEC first team or second team selection after one it's just one after another 
they're just so talented this year. And Brian Kelly in year one, I mean, won the SEC West. So I just don't think that um, – I don't think Florida State has the talent uh, to match up with LSU in week one. I got LSU – yeah, give me LSU too. I, I know a lot of my picks have been quarterback based, but I don't. I think a lot of success depends on how great your quarterback is. I think LSU's got the best one. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with LSU too. The revenge factor again for me, and I like Jaden Daniels at quarterback. I, I think Florida State's a little overrated this year. I don't. I don't know that they're quite where people think they are in, at this at this point under Mike Norvell. Maybe they get there, but I just I don't see it. Okay, Arkansas and. Western Carolina on Saturday. It's a noon kickoff, as we mentioned. We all think Arkansas is going to win this game. The question is, by how much? Ethan, what's your score? I'm going to go with 63. I don't know why I'm picking that number, but 63 to 20. I think that Arkansas should win this one handily. Maybe Western Carolina scores some points at the end on some backups. I'm going with Arkansas 49 to 10, and I think we'll see a kickoff return for a touchdown. I think that we'll we'll see a big play in special teams. I don't know if I'd, I'd go so far as saying for a touchdown, but maybe we do. I, I'm kind of with you, Scotty, in, in terms of score. I think Arkansas somewhere in the 40s. I think the thing that we're going to see with Sam Pittman is that he's not going to run up the score, and I think that if they get up by enough, they're going to sit on the ball in the second half. So it makes me wonder you know, just how many points they're going to get. I'm going to say somewhere around 38, 42. I think for Western Carolina, it wouldn't surprise me to see them have some big plays in this first game under a, a Travis Williams coach defense as Arkansas – they just they kind of work through having a new coordinator, but I think Arkansas probably wins this thing, you know, somewhere in the 42 to we'll say 20 range. I think it'll be a game where there's enough that you feel good about, but there's also some things that you probably are worried about going in uh, to the to week two. Hope you go to wholehogsports.com and look at all of our coverage ahead of the game on Saturday. Also, we'll have plenty of coverage from the game Saturday night. All of us will be down at War Memorial Stadium. We'll be back with another Whole Hog Football podcast early next week to talk about Arkansas's game against Western Carolina and look forward to game two against Kent State. For Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman, I'm Matt Jones. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week on the Whole Hog Football Podcast. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.